Greetings. Hello and welcome. The archival recording you are about to hear was sourced from live streaming audio in an effort to expand content reach. I have decided to repurpose the show as an audio podcast. I have done my best to remaster the audio quality for your ears, but I have chosen to leave its content and length unedited. So you may hear reference to visual cues not described in said audio. If you'd like to see the original live streaming video podcast this recording comes from, please head over to youtube.com slash C slash Frumis Films LLC or just search Frumis, F-R-U-M-E-S-S. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Audio from episode to episode will also vary in quality. Sorry about that. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Jeff from us. Okay, here we are. Welcome. Whoa, look at this. We have our guest. He's already here. He's already on the show. I didn't even do any kind of intro or anything. It's just like, boom, there he is. It's Jerry. How you doing, Jerry? What's happening? <laughs> nothing much, man. Nothing, nothing much. I'm glad, glad you're here. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, really excited to have you. Um, before we launch in, I got like three housekeeping things to do and we're just gonna launch right into it so housekeeping thing number one i'm gonna get right to business here uh, i just want to thank the patreons for being patreonish it's awesome uh we're gonna we're gonna list them right now we have appetite uh for atx we have nikki we have crazy white boy we have mike we have adam we have adam harmless we have john voice of doom we have rue morgue we got Honolulu Babylon, Cody Crypt, Dr. Airlift, Robbie Peterson, and Kevin45, a.k.a. Kevin Vonsper. Thank you, guys. And the way we thank people on the show is with an extreme Danzig close-up. Prepare your – you might want to adjust your sound for this, Jerry. I don't want to blow out your speakers. I'm just warning you. I'm giving you a heads up right now. It's time. And then real quick, I just want to uh, raise some some more awareness. Uh, I, I just want to bring up, we haven't talked about the petition that we have. We have a petition going, and the petition is, we want we want to get a statue of the Misfits. Well, we can't see Jerry here. Hold on, let's fix that real quick. We want to get a, a statue of the Misfits erected, you know? Like, why not? Like, you know, in Lodi, like everybody talks about Lodi, New Jersey, like it's this mythical place just because the misfits came from there. So why not have a statue to represent that? It would just be a really, you know, with big devil locks coming down. So so take a moment to to sign the petition if you you have not already. I don't even know anything about getting statues erected. I think it's very complicated, but, you know, I mean, well, well you know, it's it's a fun thing. It's a fun thing to do. You know, that's what that's what we do here because we're, you know. That, that's what we do so so there's that and the last thing we're gonna do before we talk to jerry the last thing we got to do because this is we're, we're, we're rushing through guys because we want to get to the 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 good stuff of the show we have to do the theme jeff is gonna talk about the misfits right now 
He's a nerd about this stuff, obsessed anyhow. Jeff never shuts his face, always needs to talk. Might be shown somewhere hit me when I fall walk. Do you think that he cares? He doesn't care. He's not into ranch. Okay, finally. Wow, look at all your good. Are those bases behind you? Those are all your bases? Yeah, these are some of my main bases, yeah. Wow, that's awesome, man. That's great. Look at them, just all lined up all pretty. They look phenomenal. Yeah, yeah I see them. Um, so, all my, like, studio where I do all, you know, work on music or, um, yeah. you know, all the fun stuff that happens. Now, now, do you when you're when you're when you're cooking stuff up, do you sort of you come in here and demo demo stuff out like you know sort of noodle around? Or do you play more than just the bass? Yeah, nice. I play guitar, sing. I do kind of. I, I kind of do a little bit of everything. You know, what I mean, I have a whole record of stuff that I did that's kind of like a social distortion rock and roll thing. Oh, what's that called? It's called Jerry Montano's Down and Dirty. All right. It's on Spotify? No, we're I'm working on doing a video for one of the tracks. I've been I've been working on it for a while, but it's all done. It's like 14 songs. Wow. Okay. Everything. I had some guys come in and play on it. Let me play nice. based on a song. Duff, what? Because I, I wanted to get like people that I knew that were like, everybody gets like a guitar player or something. So at the time I was like, I want to get like bass players to play on it and shit. So I got like some I cool people to be on it and stuff like that. But mainly uh, I did most of all the guitars. My buddy Ace, who plays in LA Guns, he did some of the guitars on it too. But mainly it's all mine. I play guitar and sing in that thing. So That's awesome. That's awesome. That's now, now question, question. The, the the I know we were gonna supposed to be talking about Danzig and Misfits and stuff, but this is actually I find this very interesting. Tell me, so what what could you say if if you have anything to say uh, the the approach of playing? I, I hear this from time to time, like this idea of like you play bass like a bass player, and then there's like playing bass like a guitar player. Like there's like a different mentality towards it. Would you yeah. say that's correct at all? Oh yeah, absolutely, totally. Wanted yeah. To Interesting. It's like, it's very, very. I mean, everybody plays. Everybody does it a little bit different, but I mm -hmm. would say a guitar player approach is a little more stiff. Gotcha. I guess you know it's it's one of those things where there's like a there's a certain swagger that goes to you know being able to. It's not really that it's super technical, which it can be, but it's more knowing when to pull, you know, when to lay back, when to vibe with it. There's on upsides of beats and on backsides of beats. And sometimes when that's you know, the pocket, right? Bring that up like a guitar player, bass player, they're a little more uh, straightforward. You know what I mean? It's a, li it's a little more uh, less swagger, more calcul. you know, it's, it's a little just more straight. Everybody's different. Gotcha. I mean, there's a lot of great bass players that play too. So, you know, you know, it's funny. That's kind of like 
you know, I, I, I'm a, I love the Beatles so much. And like, you know, I'm always, I'm always fascinated by Ringo. I think maybe this kind of plays into what you're saying a little bit. Like the fact that Ringo, like he's not a flashy player at all. He just sort of, as you said, hang, hangs back. He just services the song. He does what's needed. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, of players like that. Do you know what I mean? That are, that are, are, Sue that can be super tech Jeff Lynn ELO that guy's yeah, like yeah, yeah. A brainiac like insane player you know but he's more known as a singer you know like there, there's a lot of people like that love Jeff Lynn uh, uh El Dorado yeah. what a record yeah, what absolutely. a record so this, um you, you get a lot of that so okay so, you know, we briefly spoke on the phone before. I didn't realize that, you know, you come from a, 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 a place of you, you are a fan. Like you are a fan. It was not it's not just a gig to you. You're also like, yeah, a fan I mean, as, of, a, as, a, as a kid, if everybody yeah. was a fan. You know what I mean? It wasn't. Yeah. You know, our friendship is much deeper than that over the past few decades and still to this day. You know, I mean, we're still we're still tight, but, uh, yeah. Um, in the beginning, absolutely. I mean, I was a a kid, I was from Northern California. I was like a kid learning a bedroom like everybody else. And, you know, you find Slayer, you find Metallica, and then you sit in a room and learn every song. And then the, you know, every Metallica picture, you're like, what's the misfits? What's Sam mean? What's the misfits? What's Sam mean? And then, you know, for me, it was kind of like a, uh, like a vegetables thing at first. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, look at this crazy fucking shit. And then I heard it, and then I was like, okay, it's totally not what I expect because I was a, I was a Venom Slayer Hell Awaits kid. You know right. what I mean? And then as I got older, a little bit, you know, in my teens and I was into more punk rock, you know what I mean? Grindcore, punk rock, Chromag, mm-hmm. Age of Coral, mm-hmm. super aggressive. And then I had a few of those cassettes and I remember going back to them and going back to them and going back to them. And maybe when I was like 12 or something, maybe I heard the first Danzig record, you know? And I was like, what the fuck? You know, just there was something about when I, I remember the second that I heard Mother when that record came out and there was something, I don't hear it the same as I did then, but back then it was like this, I, it was this eerie thing that I had never heard before. And I remember just being like, whoa, what is that? You know, and later on through Metallica, seeing that imagery and going back and finding it. And, and, you know, as the years went on, obviously I was a huge, um, I was a huge Danzig fan in my teens. I went and saw them on the first tour on Lucifuge. I remember waiting out by the bus, like everybody else, like, <laughs> you know, Erie yeah. Vaughn, John Christ, you know, and then meeting GD for the first time as a teen, you know, not know you know not knowing what to say to him like everybody else like oh uh, yeah you know, i mean i gotta think of something great to say to this i don't remember i think that the first time they were 
it was with White Zombie maybe or something on Lucifer okay. or something. Um, yeah, and I remember I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm gonna say, you know. And I just remember I was like, uh, whatever happened to that band King Horse? Because he produced some band called right. King Horse. Sean Sean Garrison, yeah. Right. So I thought I would be like smart and ask him this question, and he right insider question. That band or whatever. He was like, I don't know what happened to him, like, and then that was it. And I was like, that's going on my wall, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and then you know, as as I grew up, you know, I I ended up moving to Los Angeles when I was like eighteen years old or something, seventeen, eighteen, and then I would start having you know running into him getting to know him being in band can, can, can i just interject real quick super yeah. quick i'm so sorry i i because i you touched on something and we're starting to we're starting to progress through the timeline i just want to harken back to this real quick because i love hearing this sort of stuff you said a word you said fine when you were talking about when you find yeah. stuff like you find this band or you find that band and what was that like back then versus having the internet today like how was that different does i hate to sound like the old guy you know but you know and you know but it's totally different you know i i have this conversation with people all the time you know like it's 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 a very um it's a nexting world you know what i mean like Back then, you would go find something, get it, stare at it, memorize every fucking little dot and thing on it, and wonder, you know, I remember seeing, looking at the etching on vinyl, wondering, like, does this mean something? You know, like, yeah, smell, everything, you know, you would have to flip it over, you know, you, but people were different. When I was young, in school, like, going back to what I was saying, I had these conversations with people. Music then was how we identified ourselves and other people by right. music. You would you were like a jock. You were like listen to pop music. You were like, you know, into metal or rock. You identified your being by what kind of music you listened to. It was something that was important, whether it was metal or Michael Jackson or fucking mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Do you know what I mean? Going back, Eagles, Beatles, Sabbath. It was it was very important. It's sad to see that now music is not in the higher level of of things for younger people as much as it used to be because there's too much everything. Right. It's not prioritized. It's more like uh Instagram, Facebook, video game, whatever I'm doing, this music, you know what I mean? To where then music was everything. Mm Because you you had your imagination to, you know, that's, you know, your escape was here. It wasn't in your phone. You weren't addicted to this fucking thing that you're like this with, you know? So for me, you know, finding things then was like incredible you know I right remember, i remember captures being, your imagination yeah man i'm like being in like the fifth or i remember being in the like fifth or sixth grade next to one of my buddies and him you know going over to me and handing me like you know iron maiden number of the beast and being mm. like what the fuck is 
this is the most evil shit I've ever seen. I'm keeping it. And then putting it on and hearing this <laughs> operatic voice and being like, I don't know. But later on, it grew on me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same thing. I, you know, I remember those moments. Mm -hmm. Music was, again, it was how you identify who you were. You know, you have right. a VHS cassette, stay up all night, record all these videos on them, watch them over and over and over and over, except fucking rap, Danzig, Metallica, fucking all those things. You know what I mean? Like that shit was like important. Wasp, all this like crazy shit. You're just like, wow, this is like over the top, you know? I think it was you put cool, it so man. well. It, it was like, it was fun. It was exciting. It was how you identify to yourself. It was a, a big part of everybody's being, I feel, at the time mm -hmm. of then. And the sad thing is, is to see as time has progressed, and it's kind of like almost idiocracy, fucking weird cyber world. Times uh, have changed. <laughs> yeah, it's changed. You know what I mean? But the, there's all there's good and bad with everything. I'm not like yeah. completely negative on things like that. But you know, when you say go, going back to fine back then, it was very. It was like detective sacred. work. It's fucking sacred, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Like this is my thing. I found yes, yeah. incredible. And then yeah, found somebody else that knew. Oh fuck! You know what Danzig is, dude. <laughs> you know. Oh, you, you know, whatever it was, you know what I mean? It was like, wow, Motley Crue, dude, fucking Too Fast for Love, Shell of the Devil. Those records are fucking, they, they were like mind blowing for kids like me then. You know what I mean? Like, wow, what the fuck is this? You know, badass. So, um, the Misfits kind of led me, you know, once I got, once I kind of found that, then it became like this thing that I was, and then, then it branched off at all these other things of punk rock, you know what I mean? But there was always something so like different about that vibe, you know what I mean? It was just so dark and on the edge of like punk, but with that doo-wop fucking, you know, right that fine line which was which was always really cool about that stuff so that's what i was a huge fan always you know what i mean from the day i got in the band long before i was in a band long before i was friends with gd you know what i mean we go back probably like danzig five around there you know wow. what I, mean? I met him around that time probably you know somewhere no. i still have this like weird black chicken foot thing what? We had this party at the bar that I worked at for Danzig Five, and everybody got this. It was for like CMJ or something, and uh, whoa, and everybody got this like leather. Uh, it's like a you know like a leather thing with this black fucking real cut off chicken foot. You know, on, wow, I have it somewhere. I don't know. I, that I, sounds I, like I, some I, juju, man. <laughs> But um, let me ask you one other question before we continue on with our uh, through through the to the next section. I, I want to get your 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 two cents on this because I'm not I'm not super versed in the metal world per se. I'm more I'm a punk guy, and you definitely seem like a, I mean you said you have you you you're you you're well versed in punk, but also you seem to come from the metal side of things. And so my question is, in your own opinion. Why do 
the misfits get the metal pass is it because of metallica is it because of danzig is there like they're this they're one punk band that seemed to really i mean there are a few others but like they seem to really transcend i think think that there's there's like there's some bands get both the ramones is yeah Yeah. there are metal bands like that look at mastodon for instance as Hmm. a metal band like they're a metal genre band but also like hipsters like that you know what i mean it's like there's like a weird cross interesting Um, yeah you know what i mean like it's it's okay for like a hipster to be into mastodon and be into turbo negro and then be into you know like a fucking lamb of god fan or something for some reason this weird thing um i think with with the misfits for me, in my younger years, be, well, I mean, I, I I come from Kiss is where it all starts, but then it. Ah, you're a Kiss guy, Black Diamond. Kiss first. Kiss first, Sabbath. Yeah. You know what I mean? Motorhead, yeah. Metallica, Misfits, and then you know for a while that I just went all punk, and I was like, cut my hair off, and you know what I mean it was just like whatever. But I think I found it through. Metallica, and I think that a lot of the younger generation of people, mm-hmm. I'd be willing to bet that, you know, of the bigger majority, it probably like 70% of it comes from just those t shirts alone. Right. I mean, that band was blowing up and billboard finding one picture of Metallica from like 84 to fucking 88 or 89 without. That's the, why they're not wearing a misfit. What a marketing campaign! Or a Danzig shirt, they they just don't, you know. Right. So maybe you know, I think I think it has to do with that. I think it's the, it was like, also I think like he says, people love something that's gone. They find it, they fall in love with it. You know, you're just, mm-hmm. you know, it it, be, it. I think it become more than just a band over time. It's become like almost like a underground pop culture phenomenon. Oh yeah. It's, it's a mythology, man. It's a mythology and it's a story, you know, that we that, that we come back here week we do this on Wednesdays. We come back here week after week and we just we pour over the mythology of this story of really truly the American dream through making DIY music via punk. Like that's yeah. literally what happened. Like every everybody who comes into a band Maybe they want some want like fame and fortune, but some of them want the cult mythological status that a band like the Misfits have, and like <laughs> yeah, to learn. He had, like, you know, he he had a lot of. I mean, he's you know over the years I've heard you know we talked about it because I, you know, slowly picked his brain over everything, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and every fucking thing I could think of, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, but um, I think in the time he was just doing what he wanted to do you, you know he right wasn't like he was into comic books and art always that was right. his thing and he understood that he brought in the concept of like comic books not so much just the the uh the imagery but the idea of um exclusivity and things being elusive and 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 going like, I have some records here. I have a bunch of like, Die Dyes and uh, 
at, for all my birthdays and Christmas, I would always say, uh, only give me vinyl. And he would be like, I don't have any more, you know? And then every birthday I would get like, you know, these are all like white, you know, with the, you know, white with the black and, you know, some of them, you know, like super rare. There might be three or four of some of these or my, uh, either, uh, green earth AD and shit like that, you know? Oh, there's only a hundred of those. <laughs> uh, I, I have so much of that stuff. Um, Amazing. But, um, he would tell me that he would, you know, wait, the, like the colored vinyl with the, with the orbs and the stuff in it was just because he would just tell them they would charge more, I guess, to clean the slate and then put new wax on it. And then he would just be like, fuck it, just throw it on there. And then he would end up with like 10 or 12 with like different, you know, swirls in it and stuff like that. And those, I think he would just, they would just give to him. And those ended up being worth like the most of like these, even these Sam Ames and uh, Misfits ones that I have here from back in the day, which is cool. You know, like all that, all that stuff is, is cool that he was always into that very early on. You know, he told me he would like, take the train and go to New York and then go print the records and then come, you know, like go pick them up, come back or whatever, you know, all, all in those days or whatever. Even I think, I, I know that him and Howie Pyro is Howie's a really good dude. Really, really good dude. Um, they were friends back in the day, you know, and Howie was like hanging out with Sid Vicious at like fucking Chelsea and shit, you know, like when Sid killed Nancy and all that back in the day or whatever. Um, but yeah, he was always into that. Like, you know, I, I think that's cool as shit. You know, that yeah. I have, I have vinyl that there's just, there's just one of, you know, it's amazing. So it that's is. amazing. Yeah. Um, so, so you're, you, 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 you get to know Glenn or you, you, you start to bump into Glenn or whatever happens around, uh, black ass devil, as you said, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I the deadlights. In LA, we just got, we just, I think around that time, because I, I, I moved to LA, got my first band with uh, Rob, who was the be who ended up in the band. Uh, and uh, I think Tommy might have been in the band too around that time, in and out. You know what I mean? Way back, they were doing Rude Awakening. Um, I was really close with Paul Raven. The bass player from Prong, um, and Rob was in the. I think we were in a band called Suffer before he was Blasco, you know. And uh, uh, he joined the band, so I got to know him over the years. And one of my really good friends, mm. Crazy Craig, who works for Glenn forever, we were like friends even before he worked for him, you know. So over the years, you know, I think I think in like the '90s, I got my first record deal with Electra. And I was doing a band then, and oh no, even before I got my deal, we opened up for Danzig at the Whiskey on Halloween, like uh, wow, nineteen ninety six or ninety seven, and it was Black Acid Devil. I have a flyer now. That I think about it before, uh, before I got my first deal. I think I was with uh, Danny Carey from Pygmy Love Circus, my old band. We were all champions. We had like this band. Uh, we opened up. Did they play time. anything special on that Halloween show? Anything you can remember that might have been? But you want to know something that's really random and funny is that 
I already knew him then. I don't really remember this. It was Halloween. We used to party so fucking hard, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, but yeah. Um, um, it was Halloween and it was, I was so late to the venue because of getting a cab to the whiskey or whatever that I, I was like stressing out and the cab driver got me there and I was like half drunk. I'm like, what's your name? And I'm like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get you. He wanted an autograph from Glenn Danzig or something. I'm never going <laughs> to see the cab driver again. He drops me off, but I still got him to sign something for him. And every once in a while, I'll still find that piece of paper from Glenn from 1996 uh-huh. where he wrote to some random fucking cab driver or something. And for whatever reason, it's like stayed in the bottom of a box or moved with me throughout time. Wow. To autograph or something. I totally forgot. But um, so, yeah, over the years, you know, we were friends and, you know, there, you know, as always crossing paths or going to go on tour them not going to go on tour them blah 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 you know so it it was always kind of a thing like that you know he he knew i was we weren't like super tight like we became but we knew who each other was and you know hey man right you know for a long long time before that so by the time that uh i was offered the gig i was uh i just you know what happened is I had some other band and we just got signed to Fred Durst label flawless to Interscope wow. just randomly. And then 9-11 happened and then everything shut down. The deal kind of died. And then uh, me, I started going out to Palm Desert and jam with the guys from Caius, John Garcia, Unita, all those dudes out there. And um, from years back, Johnny Kelly's like my probably one of my best friends from uh danzig and typo right typo yeah like one of my very closest best friends um and so the second that he knew that howie had to quit the band uh he called me right away he was like listen howie's leaving the band gee i don't even think g knows yet he just told me oh wow learn all the songs and i'm like "Eh, okay and then before he even really got a hold of him i think then glenn was like what about jerry me and so i was like all right cool so i learned all the fucking songs we start glenn and i start calling each other blah blah blah. i go down to his uh comic book office then it was like in santa monica or whatever culver city I just went he has a separate out. office for the comic stuff from wherever whatever he's doing for music. Back then, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but um, went down there, sat with him, and he was like, "What? You want the gig? It's yours. You'll be the first person ever to be in Danzig without ever trying out." And I'm like, "Wow, fuck! I learned all those songs from nothing." <laughs> 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 but uh, you know, it was it was like that, and you know just kind of uh you know over the years it became you know it was like slowly started happening and it it was it was it was a lot of fun him and i had a lot of good times you know let's talk about circle of stakes for a minute because this is a very first of all i you know i think my i i i tell this to steve zing all the time i think the best danzig opener is skin carver I love that song. It's a great song. 
um, that came from that record. And I like Black Angel, White Angel too. Another great solid track from that record. I love um, probably one of my favorite songs on the record, actually. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great, great track. And Black I think Angel, White Angel is my favorite song. It's really good. Um, really really good but but so tell me about the recording process and how this went down and like did you know that you would be doing a danzig record record? like because some people like up to this point like let's let's take a look like the original lineup dissolves and you know glenn has guys coming in out of the band pretty regularly right there's like you know i mean then it's the 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 lineup stabilizes with howie and todd youth and uh oh uh and joey on drums yeah and then that sort of you know uh goes the byway and now i think i think what that was that todd wanted to do his own band then they got a record deal with capital and uh, with the chelsea smiles right chelsea smiles wanted to focus on that so he quit Mm -hmm. the label wasn't putting out their record nothing was happening with it they were shelving it pretty much you know and hmm. so I think he kind of leaned on Howie to make him quit, even though he didn't want to quit. Like you got to be right. They were in degeneration together have too. To, yeah, I think it was more like you you have to uh, pick a band type of thing. And he didn't want to, but he left, and then that's I just came right in. Oh, Howie was in Chelsea. I didn't realize Howie was also in Chelsea Smiles. Yeah, too. it was the, it was them. Yeah, Chelsea Smiles. Oh, they! I didn't know this. They were the new. And then the record the band. never came out or anything. That's a shame. That yeah. is really a shame. Um, so you come in, Tommy comes back because Tommy had been well, in Danzig first, as early as '95. Originally, I came in. I played with Todd for a while too, so there oh. was a, there were there were like some European festivals. Oh, Spain, I did not know that. Some shows where we went and did, and it was me, Todd. I don't remember who was playing drums. Maybe it was Johnny. Bevan Davies? Might have been Bevan. Bevan, I brought in Bevan. Bevan was like... uh, uh, I interviewed Bevan. Bevan is super cool. Like, basically... The nicest dude in the world. I was, like, hanging out with some girl. Bevan was his, her ex-boyfriend. And uh, she and I met him like he worked at the Standard Hotel, like he was like a, a valet. But oh. he had, he had been uh, playing in. Uh, you guys bond over with, Kiss. Comes with the fall was his band, and through her, and I knew we we all had Jerry Cantrell in common. We we're all friends of JC. Yeah. So he was playing with JC. Um, but I didn't really know Bevan that well. And then finally we met and we hit it off. And I just, I love the guy. So when it came time that I think Johnny couldn't do some shows or something because maybe of typo or something, I believe mm-hmm. it was because typo. And uh, and I was like, oh, I know Bevan. Bevan played with, uh, with JC. And he was like, all right, bring him down. So that's how, you know, I brought Bevan into Danzig then, you know, at the time. So, yeah, I believe maybe it might have been me, Todd, and it was either me, Johnny, or me and Bevan. I don't remember, but with Todd. So there was, and then Tommy, there was a little. Yeah. Right. And then Tommy came in, and Tommy and I go way back from way back then as well. 
right. you know, like mid nineties. So it was like, Oh fuck, cool. We get to play together. You know, and, and I Tommy's pretty much been there ever since apart yeah, from Todd came back. I want to play with Tommy. Yeah. He's, he would come and go, come and go. I think right. at one point he left again and then Todd came back. And right. Brief for like a back. tour. Yeah. Right. And then he left again. And then I brought in uh, Joe, Joe Frolic for a minute who played guitar with us for like a couple of tours or something. He was. From, oh, wow. Like, I didn't know that. I, I knew from Northern California, but he, uh, he played the songs most like John Christ, which was kind of really, cool. yeah, yeah. Oh, he played, he so played good. it very close to John, like the closest that John anybody Christ ever is played. amazing. The closest that I ever played with anybody in the band with those songs, yeah. Joe Carla played him the most true to the that vibe, right? Closest to, to the Mark original Tommy John Christ parts. Tommy's a fucking killer guitar player, yeah. Oh, of course. Him. Tommy plays it his more. It's it's a right. very good style. He uh, would tell you that. He would tell you that. Yeah, too. And I love that. I think that's cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've, he's he's one of the greatest guitar players. One of my favorite guitar players and people. Um, but uh, and Todd kind of played in the middle. You know what I mean? Todd was kind yeah. of Todd was kind of played it metal, but a little bit on the cry side. You know, I mean, it was, it was like, he also, a, I mean, he also comes from like, his punk chops, you know? almost, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's actually the perfect love, way to describe it. I love, uh, E. Lucifera because of that. I thought E. Lucifera was a great record. Without Light I Am is, uh, one of the best closers on any Danzig record. Yeah, great. It's a, it's a great, uh, and the B sides to that, that album were fucking great too. Kiss the Skull is a great song. I'm a big fan yeah. of that song. Great song. Nice chugging guitar riff. Yeah, um, so, okay. So you, you get in there, you're doing, and, and what happens? You're, you're, you're playing in Danzig. And then what happens? Glenn's just like, hey, we're doing, you know, we're doing a record, blah, blah, blah. What, how does that go? How does that go down? It was just more like we were between, we were, we would be rehearsing for a tour. Yeah. And then he would uh, be like, Hey, what about this riff? You know what I mean? He hums hmm. it. You know what I mean? So Yeah, he hums it, right. Right. That's like his thing. And he remembers what it's like, which is cool. Like he records so? the micro cassette recorder <laughs> like that. And then he'll listen to him doing that and then be like, it's like this. And then we'll be like, uh yeah. Oh wow. That must be agonizing a little yeah, bit. Oh, it's it, it works. But really? you know, with with them making that record we would jam like we would do the set jam on these little parts and pieces here and there and yeah. then and go on tour and then come back and then he'd be like play that song we we're working on and we're like what song <laughs> you know what <laughs> i mean like, something we jammed once or something i don't you know yeah and then tommy and i'd be like fuck i don't know uh, you know until we kind of got it and we just you know he was like we're going to make a record and we're like what record he's like we already wrote it what are you talking about we're like oh we did <laughs> and then we just boom we were in the studio and we just kind of did it but it was cool to watch uh to see him in his element you know what i mean like he 
right. he plays drums. You know what I mean? Like he he could play he played drums on a lot of those Misfits records. You know. Um, yeah, that okay. Interesting. Okay, so here's the thing, and this is what I always find interesting. Like you look at who killed Marilyn, which is the first time that Glenn plays like everything on a record, right? Like he right. plays. I was just talking about this the other the other week, and the the playing is very, in my opinion, it's like you know, it's rudimentary, man. I mean, it's like it, it, well, it's it's yeah. like that's, held that's together. Like, that's the vibe of that. I mean, yeah listen to sam Hain, you know what i mean right That's like it very, develops very fucking loose you know like yeah we're just like this yeah you know? but that's the vibe of it you know and but with working on that record did bevan do the drums i can't remember. bevan did the drums was it bevan okay yeah yeah it was bevan so um, so Glenn is showing Bevan what in. to do on the kit. Yeah, he would come in the room and be like, I want you to play like this. You know what I mean? And Wow. And then if if he wasn't playing it right, he'd be like, No, I want it more like this. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. So it was cool in that element. With Tommy, he had more space. You know what I mean? Tommy yeah. and I I would just play, you know, we, we would just get on what he was doing and go with it. And then most of that record was just like long jams of those songs. And then they mm -hmm. edited them later. Verse. Really? Of course. You know what I mean? Like, okay, we play this for like, you know, 16 bars and then play this part, 16 bars and, you know, like that. Yeah. Chop, you know, uh, who was that? Uh, not Nick Zarasco and it's... Uh, so it's a lot of snippy snip it it's not um it's not like just playing it it's not like tracking a take in the in in, in a yeah, sense more, that that record was kind of like we didn't we went in not really we had ideas for it but we didn't know what his vision was entirely you know wow I think he had more of a vision and we were just kind of like, okay, this way, this, no, yeah. Right. But then it started, he would like take it and then shape it together, you know, and, and that's how you would start to watch it come together. Did you watch him do like, his vocals? Was just like a long forever jam, I think. Wow. Did you watch him do vocals? Yeah. Wow. That must've been awesome. That must yeah. have been really cool. It's cool so. to hear just just hear him do you know hear his voice and it you know it, it's cool to hear somebody that you I mean he at that point we're like super tight we're more it's not like it's not like he's my boss you know what I mean second right. we would come home from tour it wouldn't be like we'd come off tour and then he would call me when it was time he would come off tour in two days call me and be like you know. Let's go to the chicken wing place. Let's go DVD shopping. Let's go to Amoeba. Let's <laughs> go to Laser Blazer. Let's go to here. You know what I mean? So it was him and I, were, it was more than just like, I'm the bass player. You know what I mean? We right. hung out. We there hung was a friendship out. underneath. Yes. Absolute friendship. Like we hang out all the time. You know, we go, he, you know, he got, I had, a, I ended up with a gigantic horror uh, DVD collection because of him. You know what I mean? Because we he is. never did. We just went shopping for movies, shopping for, you know. He knows uh, his stuff, man. He knows, trust he knows his, there's his one, horror films. 
when it comes to that, he knows everything. Yeah. I mean, we're not this movie. He's like, well, that's fucking, you know, like City of the Dead or something. You know, like, yeah. That's Horror Hotel, City of the Dead. It's also this, it's also this, it's also this. You know, a lot of them have like multiple titles or whatever. Anyway. But, um, no, let me ask you that. Let me ask you this question real quick. Let me interject here. I just want to, at the same time, without getting fully into it just quite yet, at the same time, tell me about hearing, we spoke about this very briefly. Earth AD has been played live just with Danzig. I'm not talking about Danzig and Doyle. Earth AD is played live at some point, either when you were with them or before you were with them or something like that, right? I don't know if we had done Earth AD. I know that the at first the first song I think that we the first couple of songs we ever did with Danzig from what I remember and I could be wrong yeah. but I specifically remember Death Comes Ripping. That wow. Was like one of the first songs that we were doing and I think we were um I have the poster it's one of these. Yeah, uh the Black is of the Black with Opeth, Nile, Behemoth and Super Joy Ritual. You know? Wow. It's hard to give him credit. Behemoth, I mean, Nerval and I are still like fucking brothers from that tour. Nice. I mean, like, that dude comes to town, we hang out no matter what. Still to this day, we're fucking super tight from Behemoth. But he always, you know, he'd always say, this band's going to be big, this band's going to be big. You know, I mean, I remember him saying, Behemoth's going to be big. And I'd be like, this is like black metal. This is never going to be big. And he was right. They he did. could he could call that stuff. He Always, he knew. Yeah, think about it. You know, he brought out. Look at all the openers for Danzig Gordon, in the '90s. Manson. Yeah. All those fucking. Soundgarden. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, on that specific tour, I think that's when we first did miss a couple of Misfit songs, and I remember we did "Death Comes Ripping." I think we were we were playing in like Arizona or something. And fucking we did death comes ripping and this is at the this big outdoor place and the fucking barricade broke and the whole crowd rushed the stage people just went fucking yeah break. winston was there he says winston is saying i was there in arizona phil sang phil death comes sang. ripping right right yeah now phil. question two questions question number one sunrise theater sunrise sunset i don't know whatever Mesa Theater, he said. Mesa Amphitheater, he says. Yeah, it was a fun show. So actually, you answered one of my questions. My question was, how did people react? And you said the barricade came down. Fine. That that's... The barricade came down. People went fucking bananas. And... Bananas. Yeah. He saw yeah. the reception. It happened a lot of times. I see a lot of broken barricades. Did <laughs> he, was he particularly, was there like any kind of reaction or energy or sort of amazement of like, well, we played a Misfit song and like the crowd. He yeah. He loves it. He he could he loves it. He'd be like, Yep, yeah, the broke the fucking barricade. It's fucking awesome. You know, like, <laughs> and I'd be like, Yep. Yeah. Are we gonna play more? Yeah, fuck them. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, I, I we've done shows where the fucking barricade's broken and we played to just you know. 400 pound guys in blue yellow shirts in front of 
sticking my head out between them still playing because <laughs> it's gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, he, he always, he, he's always a great sport with that kind of shit. And all of our he was stoked shit, about that. Right. Totally. Okay. All of our crazy fucking antics and all the crazy shit that comes along with it. He always was like totally game for it. Ne- he's not, he'll never ever be upset about anything like that. He loves it. So, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Up to this point, and again, just to sort of paint the picture of where we're going to go with this and why this is so important and something to remember, people out there. Like, before 2016, before the Misfits reunite, throughout the 90s, and Jerry will attest to this, I'm sure, in better, way better than I ever could, that, like, you know, the, the, the energy around talking about Misfits it's stuff depending on who you were, if you're a journalist or whatever, like this, like this was a time where this was not brought up. I'm not going to do any misfit songs. It was just like, it, it was completely out of sight, out of mind. And then all of a sudden, at some point, as, as Jerry has just said, at some point in, in Danzig without Doyle, without anybody, Glenn starts to, you know, toy around with some of these misfit songs for whatever reason. And like, where is the change? What brings about, is you know, it like I a cult to, of nostalgia? We were, we were, I want to say that it might've been on the death comes ripping. I think it was Philip wanted to sing death comes ripping. Oh, ah. she, cause that's like one of my, favorites. yes. So yes. I think, I believe that we might've done she death comes ripping amazing I, th- I know we did she like once or twice for sure with Dan. what yeah <clears throat> what she, this is this is not known yeah yeah i it might have even been at that show it was one of those shows we i know we did she it might have been the la show too because we did an l we did an la show was that with it was with Doyle. We did like an LA, we did one show that was like, uh, like a, we did a club show in LA at the key club. Wow. Three or 400 people. I think that might've been the first Doyle show. I think. All right. All right. Wait, 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 wait. One second. One second before we get there. Now at the same time that we're talking about all this stuff, it, from and this is from a miss this is a perspective i can now speak on because i remember when this happened i can remember being a diehard misfit samhain danzig nerd and hearing that doyle was going to be playing misfit songs with danzig and was like wait what are the misfits reuniting no 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 no, no. you got it no misfits are not reuniting but doyle is going to be playing with Danzig. Wait, wait, wait. So is Danzig, wait, so Doyle is in Danzig? No, no, no. No, Danzig is not, a Doyle is not with Danzig. Danzig's just going to come on. Yeah. He's going to do a set, and then they're going to go back to being Danzig. You have got to be fucking kidding me. The biggest rift, <laughs> the biggest beef, the biggest, you know, uh, the feud in all of punk rockdom and maybe contest, you know, this, you could contest that in all of rock and roll but definitely in all of punk rock right. that that now this guy who refuses to acknowledge his past in any way, shape or form is all of a sudden 
going to be doing a misfit set. Not only is he going to do a misfit set, he's going to be doing it with Doyle. And little did we all know that two years prior, one year prior, that Doyle, Danzig, and Jerry had met and had talked about doing a reunion. I I knew all that. Really? Yeah, we knew all that stuff already. Right. Yeah, like we all knew the specifics of it and everything that was going on. Gotcha. So it's not that would come out publicly to the fans at a much way later. And so suddenly, logically, it all starts to make sense of, oh, yeah, okay. So they're like, you know, something clearly happened here. And now these guys are going out. And it's affectionately known on a bootleg. There's a bootleg that goes on. It's the most famous bootleg. Like, it's called it's called Misfits Revenge. And it shows it shows Glenn on the record. You play on this record. And it's Glenn on the record. And it's it's Doyle oh, on the record. Yeah, yeah. And it's Jerry. It's like Jerry, like, lying, like, with his Jerry face. Like, ah, not this Jerry. The other Jerry, uh, Jerry only like lying down and there, you know, it's, it's called it. it, I think it's, I think it is the electric factory set that you guys did. That was bootlegged on vinyl and that was misfits. Yes. And that's what's called. That's why that's the idea of misfits revenge. It's called, it's known as misfits revenge Uh, because I remember some, somebody sent me the DVD of it. You know what I mean? With the, yeah. I got a DVD of it, but I lost. That's a lot. nice keepsake. Yeah, but I didn't know it was on vinyl. That's that's probably cool. Um, yeah, uh, we all knew. I knew about all that. You know what gotcha. I mean? Like, and as, as things were coming together, you know, basically he just called me up one day and was like, "Hey, what do you think about maybe doing some shows with Doyle?" And I was like. I've been waiting for this my whole life. The only <laughs> thing I ever prayed for was like, please God, while I'm in the band, uh, if he would do a Misfits reunion and I could play bass, that would just be like it, you know? Uh, and so, yeah, he just, he called me up one day. Um, it was like, hey, what do you think about dual coming to some some shows, you know, doing playing with us. And I remember I was like, fuck yeah. But I didn't want to say that because he's right. like a, a, you know, he's like a reverse mentality person. If I go, yeah, yeah. he'd probably be like, yeah, no, fuck that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I knew that if I did it too much, if I was too excited, yeah. you had to downplay it. Like, eh, it would be cool to fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So I'll a, do that. I was like, well, yeah, it would be cool. But you know, everybody's coming for Danzig. That's all they really want. He was like, yeah, I think we'll do it. And I was like, yeah, okay. I hung up the phone. I was like. Fuck. I just started screaming in my room. I'm like, dude, holy fuck. I think we're going to do the Misfits. Fuck. Wow. Yeah. I think maybe Pepper Keenan was staying with me at the time from COC at my house or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think it was around that time. I wow. Living at, at my house from when the hurricane happened or whatever. Crazy. Wow. Shit. But anyway, um, 
And one day, side note, Pepper tells me, hey, one of my friends is coming to pick me up. If somebody knocks at the door, it's for me. Okay, somebody knocks at the door. I go open the door. James Hatfield's on my fucking front door. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. What is that like? James Hatfield at my house. You know what, what is I mean? that like? Oh my lord! Do you, so what? So when you see that, you open the door, and you're, you instantaneously well, yeah, they're James. Like, they're like best friends. Yeah. And so, but yeah, because they were going to a car show or something, I was like, yeah, but you just play it cool. You're just like, oh hey man, what's up? Could walk in yeah, like secretly like, freaking I out. Kind of like, okay. Hey, yeah. Man. Okay, cool. And he's like, all right, I'm out of here. But uh, yeah, funny fact that ha- my old house. Yeah. There's a there's a rancid video. It's called uh, uh, "Fall Back Down." That's mm-hmm. my house. The That's video awesome. Is like the the rancid video. They're like in my bedroom, and rancid's playing in my living room. And it's That's like hilarious. Kelly Osborne and uh, <laughs> what? Uh, and uh, who is it? Kelly Osborne, the guys from Good Charlotte, and all of them are at my kitchen table. And that's crazy. Fucking uh uh what's his name from Rancid? Tim Armstrong. Tim Armstrong, yeah. Copy of Spin magazine on my table and it had Brody Armstrong on it. I think with Josh, because they were like there was like a sh- they were doing a show or something. And yeah. Never, <laughs> but whenever I see that video, I remember, oh yeah, Rancid. I remember the Rancid video. That's the same house. So if you ever seen a Rancid fall back down video. That's my house. That's your house. That's my kitchen, my living room. And that's the house where Pepper was staying. Before we go back to Danzig and Doyle, I want to tell you a super quick kiss story that I think you will appreciate because you said you were a kiss fan. Oh, yeah. So one day uh, on occasion, I would go to this place that I can't really talk about publicly, but I would go to this place and I would sit down and i'd always sit down next to this this guy with a beard and long hair and i I would always i i got introduced to him once you know and it was just like oh hey man this is uh this is my friend paul and i shake shook his hand and like you know i just sit next to this guy like just completely like unaware unaware of who i was sitting next to and then one day I'm, i'm at home and I'm watching when Kiss ruled the world on VH1. And there's the fucking guy that I've been sitting next to all this time with the fucking beard. And it's Ace Freely. Oh, yeah, Paul. I was Paul. like, holy shit. I was like, that, I was like, that would, that's Ace Freely? I was like, I knew his daughter. And it was daughter Monique and everything. I was like, it blew my mind. I'm not a, not a big Kiss fan at all. So it wasn't okay. like, I, you know, but, but I just, I just always thought that was so funny. What a I way like, to find out. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking wild, man. Let's just I'm, see him I'm on the TV. Good, I've been friends with Ace for a long time. He's, he's a fucking super cool guy. Great, mm. great dude. And to, he, uh, he wouldn't. Yeah. Oh, really? Me and Johnny Kelly, we were in New York. We were in New York City. One year for Johnny's birthday, I think he was still on Typo Negative at the mm. time. It was a uh, world coming down or whatever for johnny's birthday present his wife called me at the time his wife and she was her girlfriend she's like listen i don't know what to get johnny for his birthday so you're his birthday present i'm like what does that mean she's like i'm gonna fly you to new york we're gonna pick you up 
and you guys are gonna spend like four days together and you guys can just go to duff's get drunk have that's fun, nice the fuck you want and uh go see go see ace Frehley. so he nice so his wife's driving him to the airport and he's like what are we going on the trip i don't know and they, they're like in the airport <laughs> he's like bewildered and then i come down the escalator and he's like what she's like happy birthday jerry's your birthday present so we like wow ended up spending like you know a few days getting drunk and having a good time and uh we went and saw we went and visited todd todd youth when he was right because todd todd has played with everybody yeah. i mean todd, really todd, todd was playing with ace so wow. we went down to the show and hung out with him. that's really cool that's, that is really cool ace so so to get back to this, so you, so tell me about, all right, t- take me through what happens now. You, you say, you're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Glenn sounds like maybe a good idea. Um, you know, like, uh, yeah, everybody yeah. really wants to see Danzig though. You know, Glenn, like, you know, right. And... Cause I know that you go, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to be like, fuck yeah. Are you crazy? That's all anybody wants to see. Ah, and then it'd be like, right. Yeah, fuck it. We ain't doing it. You know, always and against it, the grain, always against yeah, the grain. Totally. So yeah, so it was kind of like that. And then I think uh, I never met Doyle before. I knew Doyle's ex-wife just through Crazy Craig. And I think that's kind of how the right. whole thing kind of came back together was Craig was friends with Doyle and Craig kind of, I think, slowly bridged the gap. You know what I mean? Amazing. With the two of them. Mm-hmm. Or at least a little bit enough for them to you know, be back on radar and whatever. Right. But yeah, so then it was like, okay, learn, you know, these like 12 songs or something. So I learned them, cool. And it was like the first day, like first day of school, you know, like, all right, today's <laughs> And go in there for the first time and there's Doyle, you know, like, I think I got there and then Doyle showed up and I'm like, you know, I always heard he was like the greatest guy, but I, didn't, I don't know him, you know? And um, he was just, Ever since that day, I just, I fell in love with him right away. He's the sweetest human being, you know, nothing but the kindest, gentlest fucking soul of all time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I adore Doyle. Um, And we just fucking, I remember where it was like, he was as nervous as I was because he was like, whole, you know, to even to him. Right. He was like, holy shit, I'm getting to play with fucking Glenn, like he's right. blown, you know. Um, which was like very endearing and cool, you know, because we were kind of like all like, "Fuck," you know. The only person that was like, "I know this is it," you know, was GD. We were kind of like, yeah, uh, you know. But like as I told you earlier, um, it's like embedded in my brain. I'll never fucking forget. We played. I think I want to say it was Earth AD. Maybe it was the first song that we played together. Like, okay, one, two, three, here we go. Um, Or Hate Breeders, whatever song it was. But immediately he got, he just crouched down in that stance that looks like the fucking, like the t shirt with the devil lock, like down, crouched down. And we were all like, holy fuck. There he is. And I re- I'll never forget. I looked over at Doyle and Doyle was like, like huge smile, like, oh my God. And I was like, fuck. And we were all like, you know. Witness the power. I, the, I mean, 
I don't know if Bevan was like the hugest Misfits fan. I mean, I know he liked it, but he wasn't like, I'm as much of a fan of that as like you or Doyle playing right. in that room. You know what I mean? Right. And so was Tom. And Tommy's like, whoa, this is crazy, you know? But I was like, and Doyle was the same way. And he just got down in the fucking stance, just fucking went for it like a fucking wild <laughs> dude, you know? <laughs> I'll never forget it. And then it was like the song was over. He stood up like, all right. And we were just like, oh, fuck, it is on like a motherfucker. I think, yeah. I remember like the Mars Volta guys or like Henry Rollins or, you know, these dudes like coming in our room, like poking the, their head in the door. Like, Wait, Henry Rollins was there? I want to say maybe it was Henry Rollins that was there. Or Wow. You know, it was Mars Volta guys. Um. Some like, you know, I mean, like at the time, you know, it might have been. Yeah. I don't know if it was Henry Rollins. I don't think it was Henry Rollins. Maybe it was. Um... Fuck, I can't remember. This is a rehearsal space. This is the rehearsal space. That you're at. Probably, yeah. Yeah. And, and so. Like, oh, here we go. And then, then he was like, we're playing the key club. Okay. We're going to put it on sale today. And it sold out in like 10 minutes. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? And it was like. I remember we played that show and it was so fucking hot. You could not breathe at all. I remember I, I had my head down, my hair down. Yeah. So it looked like I was doing something, but I was like talking to <laughs> Doyle through my hair while he had his head down and going, and I'm going, we're playing. Everybody's going crazy. And I'm like, I can't even fucking breathe. Can you breathe? He's like, nope. And I'm like, fuck, this is retarded. He's like, oh, and we're like, okay. <laughs> like, can't wait this to be over, you know? Just drenched. But, um, and this is where, and this is where also at some point, because two things. Well, first of all, I for question one question. Do you remember any songs from that time that might have been hashed out and rehearsed, but just were like scrapped? And and I know that's like asking a lot to remember all the way back. You know, then, well, like, and we did we did do bullet a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Because I Bullet was my other favorite song. Bullet was like my favorite. She and Bullet were my two favorite songs, bar none, you know, growing up. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to do them. We did She, I believe we wanted, we played it once live. And then we would play it in rehearsal, then it never really came back. And Bullet too. I think Bullet and She, we only played a few times. Um, Demonomania. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. Uh, we, I know Tommy really loved that song, and we were gonna we play that one. But That's I don't know one. if you were even doing Demonomania then. You know, what I mean, I think it was like I can't remember. There's so I have to look at the CD. You know, like yeah, you, you know, you're talking like fucking fourteen songs in twenty minutes. You know, what do you think? Here we go. You know, like it's a minute and a half, two minutes, one minute. Oh, that was the best part. Is that like it's just like this window of time, but you're just packing goodies. You're just packing yeah. goodies in the set. It's just like boom, 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 right. boom. Yeah. Okay, now back to dancing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so great. I think, we, you know, we did we did that first string of shows. I think we went up into Canada, maybe. I think I remember that. New York. Uh, now when did this get worked into the 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 act there's this whole thing where he goes he's just like 
Doyle, and then Doyle stomps out and goes. Do- that was just, was. That just he does it. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember I was like, "What do you mean we're gonna bring him out into the middle of the show and then send him back?" <laughs> like a monster. He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> like, okay. But um, it was a, all those shows. We did it for a while. It wasn't just you know we did it for like what a couple years. Yeah. Um, and it was all it was fun, man. It was always fun. It was always a pleasure to. Uh, I always had the best time with Doyle, you know, always still to this day. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I write him right now and be like, Hey, da, da, da. and he's like, you know, we always say nope to each other. It was always a joke. Like whatever he's like, Nope, Nope, Nope. <laughs> Whenever I would send something in the mail to him or he would mail me something, he'd write, Nope. You know, I think he sent me, actually he sent me like his old original. Mystery. Oh, cool strap look at you with all you you got you got a nice little collection there i think he said this this one i think was originally on the cover of uh earth ad no uh uh live evil live evil live oh really oh so that's like OG. for a while i was like oh i want to i'll be like hey if you give me something, I just want something that's old and original. You know what I mean? He'd be like, I don't really have wow. this, you know, or or something cool like that. So I would like collect the straps. Like Cherish I it. Dimebag Daryl's original guitar straps and doors and shit. Like that. Wow. Well, yeah. All right. I've been still on my fucking uh, the. Oh, look at that. Wow. Now, like, I have the skate decks and shit that he one year he found. We went to his mom's house. So we went over here in New York and we go drop him off at his mom's, you know. And I'd be like, I know there's something in there. Find me something. And then finally one year he brought me all he he found boxes. Boxes of the skate decks. So I ended up with a, like all the Sam Hain, you know, skate decks or whatever. Wow. That that is awesome. I'm getting a request. I'm getting a request from uh, some people in the audience. They want to see some of your guitars. But before we, before if if that's possible at all. Um, but but before we do that, I want to ask you about. Let's talk about the lost tracks for a second because I, I didn't know this. I, I did not realize this. Uh, Jerry actually played bass on a bunch of the lost tracks and he taught he 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 um he he bared witness to something that we've talked a lot about on the show and i'm just curious to know you know you were talking about how the tapes needed to be baked in an oven and oh, i was yeah. asking you i mean it's not like the, i don't think it's too, like they put it in an oven but with yeah two inch reels and one inch reels Back in yeah. the day, if they've been sitting for 25 years, you can't just throw them on a reel-to-reel because yeah. they can stick together and they can be brittle and break. So they put them in an oven and bake them, like add heat to them to a certain temperature right. to like, you know, so that you can uh, put them back on a reel, you know what I mean? So that they're, they're safe. And he had just gotten, he had um, gotten his... Uh, b-sides 
back right. from Rick Rubin. And so on these reels, I didn't know at the time, you know, he just got him. He's like, come down to the studio. So we were down on Melrose at Paramount and fucking he's pulling out these fucking songs. And I'm like, this is from Danzig Warren. This is fucking yeah. huge. This is from Lucifuge. And it sounds like Lucifuge. How is this never even on the record? You know what I mean? Like, this is insane. So it was like, it was that whole time was a lot of fun going through all those songs with him and hearing the shit that was just so fucking good, you know? And then, uh, yeah. Is there more? Is there, is there enough for a lost, lost Danzig tracks too? Or is it? I, I know that from the first three records, there was only like those couple of songs. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Which wow, lucky that there were like four oh, yeah. Songs. I mean, there was, I mean, um, we're very lucky, very lucky, tons of stuff. Era. I mean, Lucifuge is my favorite album, bar none. You know, like that record to me, it's a great one, is was just flawless. You know what I mean? Three, uh, How the Gods Kill, I really liked a lot as well. Uh, I love Sistina's Stalker song on four. I think Stalker's on the fucking coolest fucking songs ever. Bringer of Death is a great song. Bringer of Death. That was always like a moment that we had. I don't mind the pain. Uh, Oh, yeah. I don't mind the pain. It's a good one. Um, What else was on that? Oh. um, Until You Call the Dark. Yeah. Until You Call the Dark. Yeah, which was always a weird song to play because it's just these long notes that go on forever, and yeah, and if you hit the wrong note, but it's like it's forever, and sometimes I just get hypnotized. Like, ah, ah. how many times is that? Like eight, nine. Okay, wait, it's coming. No, it's not. Okay, you know, um, but yeah, those, all of those records. I mean, I love all those records, but uh, to me, Lucifuge just had a just thing about it i that maybe that was just the time for me when i really got into the band danzig and that record just you know that was one of those records that i loved every fucking every fucking yeah i think i got like the trouble self-titled record and that record around the same time um but uh um give me your give me your give me your Oh, wow. Hold on real quick. I just want a big shout out here from Riot Stickers for supporting the channel with their contribution. Riot Stickers. I've actually done business with Riot Stickers and Josh has an incredible business. If you ever need stickers done or you need vinyl stickers or you need T-shirts or banners or anything, Josh is an independent business. Um, d- does a lot of support for a lot of great independent bands. Check out riotstickers.com and thank you to Josh. I'm sorry? I always need stickers. Hey, Jerry, check Still out riotstickers.com. I will. Still need a sticker meal. I'll leave yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Wait, what were we just shit? Well, oh, 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 I was going to ask you. All right. Give me, you said Lucifuge is your favorite record, but I want to hear your top five Danzig songs and your top five Misfit songs. And if you want to include five Sam Hain, you could do that too. 
whatever you whatever you feel that's good like, doing. That's like that's so hard. I know. I know. Because uh, then I'll start thinking about it. And then it's like, oh, yeah, but this song. And then that one. And then that one. And like, for Misfits, it's near impossible. For whatever reason, I always love She. I always love Bullet. Earth AD, because I'm just in love with Earth AD. From when we would play it, it was just so fucking brutal and so fucking evil. Um, Angel Fuck. Mm. Attitude. I mean, nice. Attitude still. I mean, but there's, I could just go on forever with those songs. And then you go older, deeper. I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, all 53 songs are great. I, there's not a bad misfit song. It's just about what are you, what are you into? Cool is like in its love, cough, cool. And it's love, cough, you know what I mean? Like, and it's in its own completely, utterly different style of a way. It's fucking cool and dark and you know what I mean? So it's really hard to say. I would have to say my my favorites are probably she's I don't know, she I've always just loved that song, you know. Danzig songs, that's another hard one. I know that my probably favorite fucking Danzig song ever to play that I was most excited to play, that I was always just like so fucking pumped to play uh was long way back from hell just that song yeah and we would always play that 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 would always that was never really ever in the set it would be like um uh, and not of this world too i brought in not of this world. Oh, you never wanted to do it love that you gotta do not of this world you know because in my well, as soon as we had finished snake of christ i'd be like ah, i just want to do it you need it <laughs> um, but uh yeah i would say long way back was always like because it would always be at the end whenever we do uh encores you don't yeah you never we never just we never did the same song he would just be like play the song we we're like okay play the song. <laughs> okay we're doing this all right cool you know wait till they chant dancing okay good yeah you know like that and so whenever he would say that song i'd be like fuck yeah blood and tears too you know like great song great uh, track uh going down to die when we would play that song it would sound so far you know that mm. line that fucking song would just like rumble going down to die was always one of my other very favorite songs to play just to hear him like really just belt it out to where mm -hmm. it's got that open space to mm -hmm. where him in that fucking moment you know what i mean because there's like the different you know, as the show goes on, you know, there's like the black mask skin carver kind of more hollering version. And then there's like, you know, um, going down to die where he's like really singing and you just feel it in your bones. You know what I mean? But it's the same for fucking uh, going down to die when he's howling in that fucking, you know, you just it's ha it's a haunting song and i gotta tell you i would almost like to see like a cover of like 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 whether it's like a, a country cover or a blues cover or some sort of like uh out of the box cover for that song would be great I think. yeah that song man it's just that song is just so i mean i just want to play my bass so hard i'm gonna snap it and 
two pieces <laughs> Doyle does on his guitars. Doyle That's just awesome. his guitar and then yeah. just a fucking drywall drywall screw back through it. Wow. You know what I mean? Frankenstein. Like, Frankenstein style. Dude, he, makes, he made all those guitars. All yeah, he guitar, sure did. All of his guitar cabinets, mm-hmm. those are all all those big ass fucking million speaker cabinets he has. He made all those. It's amazing. Himself. Yeah. And there's speakers in all those motherfuckers. Trust me. Because wow. it's so loud. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like and they're all like it's it's like bass amps. He plays your bass amps. Like Ampeg bass amps. Right. Right. Yeah. We I recently learned this. I did not know that. Someone someone in the comments enlightened me that he actually plays through bass amps, which I thought was a really sort of profound, interesting sort of setup. What is let me ask you this when you guys are playing live. What is when you're doing the Misfit set? Is there any particular? I mean, I'm sure it was all crazy, but like, was there anything that you just saw? You're just like, holy shit! Like, just like I mean, sheer uh, brutality or something. A lot something. of that time was a blur because then yeah. we used to party so hard. Um, but yeah, everybody would lose their. I mean, lose their minds. I just remember, people, it would just erupt into pure fucking violence. Like, yeah. just I mean, yeah. like pandemonium like the, i would just be like i am glad i'm not out there. it makes you lose your mind yeah. it makes you lose your mind Literally. that music i every time and every it's like time every song you you think it's gonna slow down but then we do fucking you know mommy can i go out and kill tonight and they're gonna like kill themselves and then you do 138 and they just fucking you know, right oh you know skulls everything you know just and then the Misfits reunions, forget about it. And, tw- you know, when they actually, when, when Jerry comes back and it's like the full-fledged reunion. And now yeah, I know you saw, I went, you saw uh, those shows, or at least one of them, right? Oh, yeah. I went to the show. Yeah, yeah. I went to the show. Fucking soccer. What was that like for you to, to was, see that? It, it was fun. It was great. Great to see yeah. him hang out with them. You know what I mean? Like hanging out with Leaving, who I love, and fucking, you know, just cool leaving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. he's so awesome, but it was like crazy. I think I got a picture somewhere. It's like me, Glenn, and Billy Idol or some shit like that. You know? Wow. After you know, after at the after party or whatever. But those shows see, that's were- surreal to me that that Billy Idol knows who the misfits are in that kind of way. Like it's of just course. weird. They were around at the same time. You know? Uh, I mean? Yeah, I know. I know they're contemporaries. I'll tell you one thing. Like Blondie covering the Misfits. Blondie covered Hollywood Babylon. And that right. to me is surreal because it's just like you just don't imagine that you say to Blondie, yeah, the Misfits. And they just be like, oh, the Misfits? Who are the Misfits? Like, you know, like because they're just they're they got their head in the clouds. Like, how would they know, you know? I mean, you know, I think I think at that time all those people, they all, you know, they were all aware of each other. They they're all right. the city, you know. True. Yeah. But I remember, um, I remember, uh, I remember one one time, me and we had the night off, somewhere, I want to say like St. Louis or something, and somebody was like, "Hey, Social Distortion's playing tonight at yeah. Blues, where you're playing tomorrow." And I was like, "Johnny, we got to go see Social Distortion." So we went down there. We're hanging out with Mike Ness, and he's just like, "Dude, you guys fucking you're playing with GD." And Doyle. Wow. And he's like, dude, on my first, very first tour I ever did, I remember meeting Glenn and Doyle and I puked in. I want to right. say. Right. I, he told me something about, like, I think maybe Mike Ness stayed at their house or something and he puked in Doyle's bed or something. And Doyle 
punched him out or something. And he was like, tell Doyle, he'll laugh. I think Doyle, Doyle punched me one time, like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, and he was like, yep. I'm like, wow. Because Mike Ness is one of my heroes, you know. And here I am, like, with Mike Ness. And, uh, you know, he's like, fucking, he's all excited talking to me about Doyle and Glenn and shit. You know, I was just like, whoa, because, you know, I think back to, like, watching Another State of Mind. Yeah, know? great documentary. And loving that fucking movie and loving those fucking, you know, uh, Mommy's Little Monster and those records. And they opened up for The Misfits. I believe Social Distortion opened up at least one show for The Misfits in 83. That's what he was, he was saying. I want to say he said that maybe they did a little tour or they opened up for him yeah. and puked in Doyle's bed. Like right, Jer- Jerry. Jerry was probably like, "Ah, yeah, come back, come on, come back to the house," you know, like you know, all gregarious and and and, and I generous. Just, told me that story; it, it stuck with me. But um, yeah, but yeah. So there was like we had we had there was so many crazy you know things you can you know so much shit you know I like, can't even imagine. Yeah, but again, going back to the whole thing, it was always fun. We always had a good time. Mm-hmm. Joel was always like the funnest person to be around. You know what I mean? Like you play with people, you know, some of us, you know, get crazy or wild. There can be fucking dick or this or that. And he was always just like the nicest guy. Nice as ever. You know, there's a lot to be said about, uh, about him as a character, as a person. You know what I mean? Love him. <clears throat> and, what's interesting i don't know what it must have been like because if you're at the you're at the center of it at the time because but at the time for us as fans this was like the biggest thing in the world the fact that danzig is playing with doyle it must have been it must it really must have been like something else to be at the like the the beginning and center of that while it was happening, while it was first starting. And then, you know, I don't know. And, you know, in a way, while the Misfits reunion is the Misfits reunion and we can, nothing can take away from that, in a way, this was almost even more mind-boggling because it, it, well, it had just no been was, such a... No one was expecting it. We didn't even expect right. it. And then right. And even if it was happening, it just happened. You know, it was like, okay. Right. We'll do more shows. Oh, we'll play this place. Okay, cool. You know, it was right. It was um yeah, it was it was special and cool. The Misfits reunion is fucking amazing and fucking awesome. You know what I mean? And it's fucking uh it's cool. That's crazy. My buddy AC is fucking playing guitar with him. That blows my mind. Yeah. Fucking AC's in the band. And he's doing a great job. He does I love he does I love, a good job. Me and him go way back from my old band, The Deadlights, and we used to tour on Ozfest, and we did so many tours with Dope back in the day. I've been friends with AC forever. Good dude. He holds it together, man. All right, let's before as we wind down here. Let's first of all, there's some people that have been they've been in the comments. They wanna they wanna they're asking questions about your guitars. Do you want let's let's take a, let's do a little Q and A question session as well. Does anybody have any questions? I saw some questions pass before. I didn't want to interrupt the flow of the conversation. Does anybody have any questions that they want to ask Jerry? Um, and I don't know, Jerry, is there like a guitar or a bass guitar or a guitar that like has some special story or connection or something that you 
might that you want to showcase or something because people were asking about your guitars those all two the, things all my guitars here i don't think any of these none of these were used in danzig most of these were like hell yeah and nothing right you were in a band with Vinny, yeah. paul from pantera and you know what, what i've come to learn again i said i am not a metal guy but i've come to like there's this it seems that from the metal side of things it's almost like pantera has this its own cult of mythology around it and its own it's revered in a similar way as the way the misfits are in the punk world and so that must have been a very interesting experience to be and you were on the first album right you were at the beginning of the the band well, yeah, correct? Like we were uh we were on the same record label so my band the deadlights at the time we, we gotcha. pantera was on electra so they were always like trying to get us together and then uh i want to say we did the Ozfest together and then dime and i just became best friends like like that so wow did jerry have any specific gear on the road or in the studio on the road i always use my stuff and in the studio yes on the on the road um i used some old they're badass sbt um classic heads but they're uh numbered like they they made 500 of them so ampeg at the time in like 1986 he's had these since 86 <clears throat> these heads wow <laughs> but in 86 they found a bunch of old parts from the early 70s sbt classic heads and they made these uh anniversary versions that have metal plates on them that are the baddest fucking sbt classic head i have one um and that's what i always use lie on the circle of snakes record I played Howie Pyro's P bass actually. I wanted huh. to play my because I play um I play uh Ernie Ball, music man. Nice. But um he wanted me to play this old P bass that was Howie's because he was really into that uh Ramones thing, you know what I mean? Which is funny. Mm -hmm. I mean I was friends with I was really good friends with Didi Ramone. And I used to drive Dee Dee home all the time, you know. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. So like, wow. I worked at this like punk rock rockabilly bar. Me and Blasco from Aussie and yeah, uh, Dee Dee would hang out there all the time. Every night at the end of the night, I'd be like, "Hey, come on, Dee Dee, I'll drop you off at home," you know. And he would always be like, "Jerry, I'll... he'd always talk about how much he loved the misfits." You know, what's another really Dee... good story. Actually, okay, wh wait. Before you tell your story, before you tell your story, hold on a second because I want to hear the story. Wait, so you're telling me that Dee Dee Ramone liked the Misfits? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. What? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I know he played with the new Misfits. He did, he would jam with them on songs, but no, he no, was no. down. That's, Mar that's Marky. Okay. But didn't, no, but Dee Dee got on stage a few times. Did he not just to sing? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know much about, uh, see, I know pretty much zero about the uh, after. The other the, yeah, I, gotcha. I don't know anything about them. I, gotcha. Okay. I don't even know. I think I know one song because uh, my buddy Glenn Hetrick uh, that I was telling you about, uh, yeah. he's a special effects guy and he did the video for Scream, I think it's called. Right. He does the face off competition, you said. Face off, yeah. 
Glenn's right. So he worked with George Romero on the Scream video. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but yeah, so what's D your DD story? No, I just I used to always take him home all the time, and I would like crank the misfits and shit. And he would be all into it, you know. Like, oh my god, DD and I became really, really good friends. I I love DD Ramon. He was just a sweetheart. Did he ever? No. So question. So if he's into the Ramones and the, yeah, I mean, if he's if he's into the misfits, and you're cranking the misfits, does he like? Is he ever just like? Is he ever just like, hey, Jerry, yeah, man, back in the day, they used to play Max's, like anything like. I don't, I don't, remember, I don't remember anything like that, but I remember us singing Misfit songs in the car. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, what's another funny story is um, pretty much no, I mean, a couple of people, but almost nobody knows this is um, I was really good friends with Rick James. Right. Yeah. So, And I was I was like, I was with Rick the night before he died, you know, like I was at Rick's wow. house all the time. But I remember one particular time when I first met Rick, I went over to his place and we were partying all night or something. And, uh, and this was like, you know, this, then I could say it now, but it's like me and him and like Britney Spears and shit. Everybody's just partying our asses off. What? Yeah. <laughs> and, what? And so, and there's this lady there. Uh, uh, his girlfriend was this lady. Uh, she was like another '80s singer, Tia, Tia Marie, Tia Marie, or something like that. I don't know, like an '80s pop lady or something. Uh, but we're all getting fucked up, partying all night, and it's like four in the morning. And whenever I get really fucked up, I would just call GD. Ah, you know, he'd be like, "Fuck me, call me." <clears throat> so, <laughs> like, wait, he would get oh, mad at you. He'd be like, like "Why are you calling me? Right, you're fucking retarded." Okay, bye. And I'm like, Come on. <laughs> yeah. but um but i called him at like three or four in the morning and i'm like yo gd he's like what's up what and i'm like listen uh i'm with rick james he wants to like <laughs> talk to you because i told rick i'm like i played for danzig and rick's like dude i fucking danzig i know who that is and i'm like dude trust me gd would fucking flip out and love to meet you so i called up gd put him on the phone with rick and they sat there on the phone and talked and they were like we got to get together. We'll write a song, blah, blah, blah. And they, this is true story. Him and, uh, him and Rick talked and fucking, uh, he was like, dude, yeah, he's fucking cool. I'll totally like do a song with him, blah, blah, blah. And so Rick was like, dude, that was fucking cool. Whatever. Get up phone me and Rick party all night. And then Rick died maybe like a week or two later. Oh my God. I'll never forget, you know, calling, calling Glenn and being like, Hey, I got fucking, I'm sitting here next to Rick James at his apartment. You got to talk to him. Like, yeah. Pretty funny story. And and you said, you said this is at three or four in the morning. So GD oh, yeah. is up. G, Glenn is just up. And he's I like, oh, know. what are you? I could have woke him up. I don't know. He's probably up. Who knows? <laughs> you know what I mean? I okay. Know. For anybody out there, who, somebody imagine what a Rick James Glenn Danzig song. And here's the other thing, too. There's a little bit of Misfits trivia here. I'm not sure when, but it's maybe it's on Misfits Central or something. Supposedly, Rick James did see the Misfits live back in the 80s, in the late, in the early 80s. I don't remember Rick James saying that, but he was at a show. He knew, he knew who Glenn was when I told him who he was, who I played for. He totally knew who he was. That is so insane. Yeah, that is absolutely mind-boggling to hear that, yeah. that they those guys I had a conversation. Quite here. 
you almost made a Rick James Glenn Danzig collaboration happen. <laughs> true story. Swear on, swear on my daughter's life. Yeah, true story. Dude, I, I, I just, I, I mean, I, I'm speechless, man. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That is, that is just like unfreaking real, man. Unfreaking real. All right. Does anybody else? Have any questions they want to ask as we were, we're, yeah, we, we got to wind down here. I want to thank Jerry again so much for his time. Uh, this has been a wonderful uh, conversation. I really, really appreciate your time, Jerry, coming on and, and chatting with us and yada, yada, yada. Does anybody want to ask any questions? Now is the time to ask. Let's see if we have anything in the comments. I'm not sure. People are, thought that was so funny about the Rick James. Oh, they did. Yeah, oh man. yeah. That's some funny shit. You know? That that really is. Yeah. Um no, I'm not seeing anything here. Now, real quick, you are you told me Jay May says, Jerry, you rule. Thank you. Ah, thank um you. you um you're currently working. I don't know how much you can talk about this. Is it something you talk about or not? Yeah. You mentioned that you're talking that you're working with Stephen. Piercy from Rat. Yeah. I mean, I'm, Tell me, so I'm what's that about? With my old guitar player from Hell Yeah, because they're kind of disbanded. So we're working on a new mm -hmm. band. And then my main thing is, uh, yeah, doing Stephen Piercy, which is super cool, man. Him and I, we hit it off um, through Glenn Hetrick. You know, we just it was just one of those random things. We're at a party, and him and I just like talked, and I was like, dude, you know, like, I fucking would cut out pictures of you and put you on my wall. When I was like 10 years old. <laughs> you know, like you're fucking Stephen Piercy from Rat. Like that's crazy. And then we just we fucking hit it off, man. He's just a fucking greatest dude. Him and I get along really well, like brothers. Um, and uh, he finally had hit me up, and we just we just did a live stream. And we're just we've been writing his new record and having a blast and going out on tour doing i think rock amazing got a bunch of dates coming and stuff and it's just it's fun you know what i mean it's like yeah another one of these gigs like playing with glenn like i'm playing with stephen piercy playing all these songs i'm playing fucking round and round and you're in trouble <laughs> you know wanted man and you're in love and these songs that when i was in fucking elementary school i was like right i was air guitaring to these songs for real right life and now I'm playing these songs and looking over and he's, that's the guy, the voice is coming out of his mouth. You know? Right. And right. we're friends, you know? So um, I've been having a blast. We've been writing his record and again, going out on tour and it's just amazing. An absolute pleasure fucking playing in a band with somebody who was, you know, <clears throat> you know, gigantic, huge i mean can you imagine being in rat in 1985 or something you know right I mean? that song was huge that song was they were huge, huge. They, they took out bon jovi on their first tours and like motley you know like the wow his life like i sometimes i talk to him and he's so humble and such a sweet kind kind caring amazing good dude you know what i mean you're like how could you still be this way because it you know, my perception is this rock star persona of large in life. He's right. <clears throat> amazing. But at the same time, I can never imagine being Stephen Piercy in 1984. 
Yeah. You know what oh I mean? my lord. Like that must have been like at the height of uh, record contract excess. You know what I mean? Like dude, fucking <laughs> arena is like at the height of all the craziest shit of the yeah. lifetime to be that living that life and for him to be doing it all this time. So yeah. it's a lot of fun, man. It's great. And I'm excited about doing stuff with him. And I'm always bouncing around, writing, working, doing things. So there's, there's, um, I'm grateful to be able to still be doing what I do, still touring. You know what I mean? Like all the relationships, like, like we're talking about Pantera. <clears throat> I mean, I was right. with Dime and Vinny, you know? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was in a band with both of them first after. So like tour with Pantera became best friends and then played in their side band with the brothers. Wow. And actually when, when Daryl passed away, I was with Glenn. Glenn and I were getting in the elevator to go do full metal Jackie's radio show. And wow. We, we pulled up to the place and my phone keeps ringing, ringing, ringing. And it was Johnny Kelly, Johnny Kelly, Johnny Kelly, Johnny Kelly. And I'm like, fucking Johnny keeps calling me. <clears throat> and I'm like, yo, me and GD are doing the radio show right now. Because we were going, we were walking in the elevator. I'm like, yo, what's up? I'm like, I'm with GD, we're going in the elevator. He goes, dude, um, what the fuck's going on? Did you hear about all this? And I'm like, uh. I don't even know what you're talking about. And the elevator closes. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck. And then the elevator opens and then we find out because dime was like one of my like johnny like one of my very 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 like we tattooed each other I tattooed me right now. Um, and uh you know so it was like really fucking heavy uh but i was with glenn when that happened and then so then fast forward later on you know when i was in danzig every time i go to texas i'd check on Vinny and i'd go visit Vinny in the daytime, go to the uh, cemetery and I would leave and I always stay in touch with them. And so I'd been working on hell yeah for a couple, like three years before we had already demoed songs and stuff. And, <clears throat> and so I just called him up one night and got him on a good night and he eventually did it. And the rest is history. Gold records. You know? Yeah, man. It's amazing. Um, I have, Okay, first Ballad of the Broken here. Thank you for your support. Truly appreciate it. Um, he says, Rick James, going back to the Misfits thing for a second. Rick, according to uh, where uh, Ballad of the Broken says, according to, I guess this is from Misfit Central, Rick James saw them at Irving Plaza. Oh, and wow. he also says, Jerry, thank you for these stories and memories, brother. Really appreciate it. Well. So there's that. And well, now you know for sure they talked. And I knew that he knew who yeah. he was. So, I mean, it wasn't like Rick wasn't like, who's that? You know what I mean? He yes. was like, oh, yeah, I know him. Um, Chris is asking, Jerry, did you play with Charlie Johnson in his time with Danzig? Do you know who Charlie Johnson is? I don't even know who that is. I know that there were a couple of guys that were in the band for like a second, like came and gone. I was in a band for quite some time, um, but no, I just played with Tommy, Todd, and um, Tommy, Todd, and Joe. Yeah. So, uh, but cool. originally for Danzig, uh, the Danzig Six record, 
what was that? Uh, Satan's Child? Satan's Child, yeah. Satan's Child, my original guitar player from when we played the show at the Whiskey, the Danzig 5 album, when I was playing yeah. the Pygmy Love Circus guys. That guitar yeah. player, Jeff Chambers, was like my one of my best friends. And he ended up being in Danzig. And I right. guitars on uh, Satan's Child. But he only did like yes. one show with them. But that was another one. Like everybody I played with ended up in Danzig. And then I was like the last one. You know what I mean? It's, it's a like, fraternity, man. It's a fraternity. Yeah. All, of you us, know? all of us are friends. All of us know each other. Most of us. The, the name Charlie, I don't, I don't know that person. But most everybody else, like Joey C, we all knew him coming up. Right. We were kids, like, you know, long we're going way back. Joey was, Joey was in a band with my roommate when a James Hetfield came to the house. My roommate at that house, the Rancid House, Timbo, him and Joey C's first band was a band called Sugar Tooth. And yeah, were, I know Sugar Tooth. They were in a band together. Joey wow. C and Timbo. So it was always like these weird, like you know, yeah, interconnective tissue and whatnot. Ballad is asking Jerry, do you like? Satan's Child songs like 13 or Cult Without oh, a I Name. I love those songs. I yeah. I love I I remember hearing Satan's Child before it came out, you know what I mean, while they were recording it, you know, and like here's the new song, here's this song, here's this new one, here's this new one, and hearing all those songs before it was like finished, you know, and being like, wow, this fucking record is so heavy. But Jeff had a really heavy guitar tone. He was really into Speed Dealer, Zeke, shit like that. Um, uh, who was the other band we liked a lot? Scissor Fight, like these crazy, like super heavy fucking bands. But that record was really heavy. I really liked that record a lot. <clears throat> I thought it was cool. That was kind of Glenn's whole thing, though. If you look back, you go, yeah, he had the Misfits, and then he did something with it, and then he was like. Yep, fuck y'all now. Now I'm doing this, and then it was like Sam Hayne. Now I'm gonna do this like wacky fucking '80s fucking I don't even you know weird Sam Hayne thing. You know what I mean? It was like ahead of its time, but it was completely different. You know what I mean? Coming from that to that, it was like to me, I was like, this is kind of like I don't know. It's like you know, I guess it was like um, death rock. We, you know, it was weird to me. And then it was like, okay, you got a hold of that. Now, fuck y'all. I'm going to go be a, I'm going to do this blues rock thing, you know, that nobody's doing. And, you know, with this, like, this really retro tone. He, you know, what he did tell me, I forgot, is that originally Rick Rubin wanted John Christ, he wanted the guitar player to have white hair, pure white hair. What? Yeah. I just remember that. He was like, yeah, Rick wanted the guitar player, whoever it was me, he wanted John to have like bleached, like white, white hair, like a white wizard hair. And I was just like, fuck that. That'll never happen. What the yeah, yeah. fuck? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, Rick Rubin had a lot of really great ideas, and that <laughs> was enough. not one of them. <laughs> but, but, you know, going back to what I'm saying, it was like, then he did this blues rock thing and then everybody yeah. really got into it. And he was like, okay, 
fuck you guys now. Now I'm going to go do this fucking like nine inch nails thing. And right. They were like, this is suicide. What are you doing? And Bill Kennedy, my buddy, he's the yeah. pastor, you know, he produced that. And he said, wow. at the time, they, they were like, what the fuck is this? The label's pissed. Everybody's like, what the fuck are you doing? You know? And I just did it. And then, yeah. then people kind of went, okay, I get it. Then he was like, now, now I'm going full metal. And they were like, what? You know what I mean? And it's kind of this progression. And I kind of felt like that it kind of came in a weird full circle thing that by the time it got to Eluciferi, which to me sounded the closest to Danzig personally, I felt like Eluciferi was the first Danzig sounding Danzig record in like, you know, uh, in the sense of the old version, it was like right. a, a return to form, a return right? to form. I mean, I yeah. don't know if it was just me, yeah. but I no. felt like that record was had the squeals. It was more the beginning. It was the beginning of going towards back to return to form. Right, and then and then uh, I felt that like a circle of snakes. He kind of went against the grain again. Yeah, Elucifera was like this polished production, and then this next one he mixed and did himself and it did this at the time. A lot of people were kind of, you know, on the fence about the production, you know, because of, you know, it wasn't as right. polished as the others, but then you go back and you look at it now, after that point in time, a lot of bands started doing a more almost garage sounding bare, you know what I mean? Less yeah. Uh, polished production like high on fires and shit like that you know and he kept going but he kept going with it too when he goes to then with death red it's like you know he's like using like oh the fuzz the fat fuzz pedal from the misfits in the 70s and stuff you know um you're right man you're totally right it's like every it's like i'm always gonna the the thing about Glenn Danzig's I'm going over here. Yeah, no, that's the that's the thing about his artistic integrity is a I'm never going to look back. B I'm never going to do whatever your guess I'm going to opposite of that. Absolutely. So that's what I mean. You know what? He's, I'll say this, Glenn's always treated me amazing. He's always yeah. been nothing but a good fucking stand-up straight dude. He's always, he, uh, he helped my career leaps and bounds. He put up with all my crazy fucking antics <laughs> for so many years. And, you know, the craziest shit you could ever imagine, you know, like Motley Crue, the dirt type shit. <laughs> oh, Oh yeah. I mean, dude, I did, we, we, I've been crazier than all those dudes. And, and he was always like friend, cool, uh, took good care of me, everything. I have nothing but the highest regard. And like, I am just, I'll, I'll forever be, uh, proud to be a small part of like the Danzig legacy yeah dude totally totally something i take pride in and long after i'm gone you know 
Danzig will still be here and I'll still be a part of the Pantera legacy, the Danzig legacy. And there are things that yep. I, I, I value and uh, hold uh sacred, you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm still, you know, that how we met, I still like love the fans from Danzig that I have came with me along my ride with hell. Yeah. Or, right. You know, or anything that I've done, you know what I mean? Over the years. And, uh, and I value it, man. It's, it's really cool. So, you know, I'm happy to have been a part of it and it's cool to like be able to talk about this stuff and it's awesome. man. Jerry, I want to thank you so much for coming on my show. Truly. Uh, th- th- this has been, I mean, this has been more than amazing. We got some great, like uh what the fuck tidbits from you uh some little nuggets of of awesomeness uh i had a great time and I'm, i know my audience definitely had a great time i want to just anybody who enjoys this content please make sure to like share subscribe yada 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 leave a comment please check out uh jerry's music man check out the stuff he's got a link tree i'll put it in the description go to the link tree Check out all the different facets. Make sure you follow Jerry. He's on Instagram. He's on Twitter. And keep up with what he's doing musically because it seems like the dude is just never – he's just on and on and on. Like <laughs> He's round and round and round. So, so check it out. I'm not going to do the Patreon uh, commercial tonight. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna skip it. But check out the Patreon. All that information is below. We have a wonderful way of saying goodbye on the show. We say peace and...